Hello, this is Shannon Lynn, and you're listening to the Dialed In Podcast. I am super excited to have a very special guest with us today, Ian Michael Hebert, joining us from Costa Rica. Ian Michael is co-founder of Holos, an organization of holistic healing centers and communities, launching first in Costa Rica. Born in Alaska, Ian Michael is the former director of projects at Eslin Institute in Big Sur. He holds a master's in counseling psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies, and he's co-founder and CEO of Holos. Today, we are going to talk about plant medicine, eco-villages, and the evolution of consciousness. Uh, Again, I'm super excited to have our special guest with us here today. So without any further ado, let's go and speak with Ian. Oh, thank you so much, Shannon. It's great to be here with you. So I have a whole bunch of questions for you, and I know we probably won't get to all of them, but we're really going to dig in and just really find out uh, a little bit about you. And I'm wondering, what is your story? What brought you to where you are today? If you could tell us a little bit about your journey of awakening. Yeah, absolutely. So... Ian Michael was born in Fairbanks, Alaska in the 80s, and Fairbanks is the golden heart of Alaska. It's really close to the Arctic Circle, so in the middle of winter, we barely had any sun, and in the summer, we had 24 hours of sunlight for about two months, and when I was in my late teens, I realized that I wanted to live a life of being vegetarian and that Alaska was not the most sustainable place for me to do that. So I had a lot of big awakening experiences, many of them with psychedelics in my late teens. And then I just opened up this direct channel of communication with the the source of all life, the source of all existence, and, and focused my 20s on meditation, um, I was a home builder. I was having kids. And so my 20s were really um, a period of time where I went both inward through meditation and then outward through building things in the world. And, and then in my 30s, I went to grad school for psychology because I felt like, okay, I've built homes. I've built these homes for each for, for beautiful people, but if we don't have a home within ourselves, if we don't feel at peace within ourselves, none of that really matters. And so I went to San Francisco, um, lived there for 10 years. And during that time, I did a, a graduate degree in community mental health and counseling psychology. And I lived at Esalen Institute in Big Sur and helped them rebuild their campus. And during that time, I reemerged into the world of psychedelics and realized that we can be both tending to the, the home of people feeling at home in themselves and the home of building villages that are in harmony with the earth. So, um, yeah, that's like a very abbreviated 
journey of awakening and um and and in my early 30s i i started to work with plant medicine again after grad school and had this whole new western psychological approach um to the medicine work to psychedelics that allowed me to look at it through a lens of um birth and death and suffering in a in a very much a new way it was it was no longer recreational it was very much more therapeutic and and so that kind of brings me to today which is i'm here in costa rica um a country that you know their their motto is pura vida pure life so it's a place where there's so much life force that flows through this place a lot of biodiversity and very warm hearts and so i found this is an excellent place for people to come for healing so I'm stewarding uh, the building of a healing village here, a community of people that are committed to healing humanity and regenerating the earth. And so, yeah, that's that's how I got to this moment today. Somewhere between a builder and a, and a counselor, psychologist, and and just doing my part to heal myself, and and then offer what I've learned to others. Wow, that's definitely beautiful. And I love what you say about doing my part to heal myself and then offer that to others. That's so key. And I just think if, you know, we all worked our, on our own healing, it would pretty much heal the whole world. <laughs> um, I want to talk about, you know, the psychology, Ezalin, plant medicine, um, healing villages, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and today we're going to be talking about ecology, consciousness, plant medicine. Um, most likely a few other things are going to get in there too. Um, but before we get into that, why amidst all of the times in history is now such an important time for healing to happen individually and collectively, do you think? Well, um, when you say all times in history you know history is a, a really tricky thing so do are we referring to our human anthropomorphic uh perspective on history or are we looking at like the grand history of all existence and so i i immediately go to you know we're in a very long arc of consciousness's evolution in the universe so you know, we, we start with what science has told us is some kind of a big bang and then the creation of all of these different elements and eventually those coalesce into galaxies and solar systems and planets and suns. And so here we are, we find ourselves on planet Earth, which has uh, amazing abundance of water and all the right elements to be a place, a birthing ground for life. And then we find ourselves, you know, a couple billion years into the evolution of life, of having human beings that are self-referential, that we can look at ourselves and consider the world, and, and we have enough of a command of our environment that we can have leisure and culture and philosophy and all of these amazing faculties of creativity and spirituality that we have. So why? in that big arc from the big bang to this moment is it important that we talk about ecology consciousness plant medicine it's important because we're at a point in the human evolution where we could become a self-terminating species like 
whether you know it's through climate change or there's been all these existential threats that humanity has had to face over the last hundred years. And at this particular moment, um, you know, we've seen how interconnected we are as a planet in this last year um, with the pandemic. And, and this is not the first time that there's been something that has swept the globe um, like this, but it's the first time that humanity has had to really reflect on what is our way of life and is it healthy? So personally, my personal belief that a lot of what's happening right now is an opportunity for reflection and an opportunity for us to look at our way of life and if it's sustainable, if it is in harmony with the planet, if it's in harmony with the natural cycles of this solar system. And largely, since I was a kid, I've come to the realization that humanity is not in harmony from, from my perspective with the cycles of nature. And so in this moment where we have an opportunity to reflect, we can see that if we continue on the path that we're on, we could terminate ourselves as a conscious sentient species on this planet. And there's, there's a phenomena with planets called the Goldilocks zone. As a, as a sun decomposes, it gets larger. And our sun, um, the earth is in the perfect point for water to be liquid and for life to flourish. And this is the last opportunity that we have as a planet to birth a, a sentient species like humans. Unless there was some outside force, aliens, whatever it is, that came in and populated the earth, for the natural arc of evolution to create a conscious species like human beings, we, according to my um, friend Bruce Damer, an evolutionary biologist, we are, we are in the last opportunity of this earth in evolutionary terms for us to create a, a galactic species, a, a, a conscious species that can ultimately expand beyond its home planet. So I know that that was a lot of information, but that is why I feel it's really important to talk about ecology, consciousness, and plant medicine at this time. Wow, that is definitely a good answer. <laughs> and definitely, uh, definitely important because of, I think, what we've collectively done to the planet, you know, in regards to the soil, in regards to the trees, in regards to all of the elements, the water, you know, the air, all of these elements that we yeah. need to sustain us, they're part of us. And mm -hmm. um, they're definitely important going forward, that's for sure. Um, in regards to healing, what would you say is your definition of healing? What does healing mean to you? Yeah. Um, so the original wound that I believe that most of us have um, is the wound of separation, of feeling separate from life itself, that we become individuated egos, we become a story, we become an identity, and that identity becomes separate from the universe. And so for me, healing is, is remembering that we are actually connected and that we are one with the universe and that we, we were birthed by this amazing Gaia, this amazing planet, that Mother Earth is just that. It's our mother. It's our womb. And so for me, healing is that realization, is that realization that we are held by the earth, that 
we can connect with each other in harmonious ways and that we're already whole, just as we are. Just by being born, we are already whole. We are a functioning, beautiful being. And so healing is just the remembrance of that wholeness. And um, one of my mentors, Stan Groff, um, who was the inspiration for the, the business and the villages that we're building through Holos, he really looked at the, um, the birth process, the perinatal matrices. And he saw that people's traumas throughout life were often reflective of that original birth process. So for me, healing is working all the way back to birth and even pre-birth in what is locked into our nervous system that has us respond to the world as if it's a threat. And ultimately, we want to respond and be in engagement with the world as if we're collaborators in a dance where, where we're part of one song, where we have our individual note, our individual musical instrument as part of the orchestra of all of life. And whatever gets in the way of that knowledge and that knowing and that flow um, is what needs to be healed, what needs to be adjusted. And some of that goes all the way back to birth or pre-birth. So um, that's what healing means to me. Thank you for that. And I have to say that I love your um, your little birdies. <laughs> I can hear them loud and clear here. It's so amazing to have them join join us for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm living right up the road from the one of the most biodiverse places on Earth, the Osa Peninsula. And um, but yeah, we're in this amazing place of waterfalls and clean air and rich soil and so that's the other piece of healing is it's like how how are we in relationship to the earth and how did, how is that reflected in our day-to-day -day living and so i've been looking for places on earth since i was a kid um, that have a very strong um, presence of all of the elements of, of water and air and earth and fire and that those elements are in balance and that becomes really a container for spirit and so mm -hmm. um, part of it to me is like we're healing our bodies, we're healing our minds, we're healing our spirit, and we're also in a co-creation of healing the earth and creating more balance. So I'm glad that you're you're hearing and feeling this sacred land through the through the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things just from my practices in um, you know, the Vedic lineage is first thing you can do is Bhutashuti. It's cleansing of the elements making sure that you rebalance the elements because that's what we're made of right so being connected with that definitely um, is super important um, that kind of leads to the next question of being in such a magical place in your bio it says that you facilitated the expansion of Esalen Institute which is an amazing place that's actually one of my son and I's favorite places to go is down in Big Sur it's so magical down there um, as well as the Denali Education Center, Chenna Hot Springs, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing any of these, the Center for Ecological Living and Learning, and many other businesses or in organizations. And of course, like you mentioned, you're the founder of Holos Global. So first of all, um, can you tell us a little bit more about Holos and the future um, goals that you have for it? And if you want to add anything about you know, what it was like working at Eslin, you can, you know, put that into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all um, interconnected. So 
holos is a word that means wholeness. And um, this was inspired by Stan Groff's work, this, this name holos. He created a, a way of healing called holotropic breathwork. And holotropic means moving towards wholeness. And so um, I started thinking, okay, so what does it look like when we are living from that place of wholeness? And so that's that's the goal. That's what we're doing with Holos is we're, we're patterning experiences and places that allow people to experience wholeness within themselves, in their relationships, and in relationship to the earth. And so that could be a retreat. We run a lot of retreats with plant medicine. Um, it could be one of the centers that we're building, our first one being here in Costa Rica, which is a retreat center, a wellness center, there's a community center, and then there's a supportive community around it of people that live here long-term um, in harmony with the earth, in harmony with the indigenous people here, in harmony with the local stewards of the land and, and farmers. And so Holos is a pattern. Holos is, it's a business, but it's also a pattern of how we can live and how we can move our culture forward into the realization that we're already home, that each of us is, is home on this earth, in our bodies, and that we get to enjoy this incarnation. And then, you know, with enough of our own inner work, the transition into to death or into transmutation into something else can be very peaceful. Like our, our relationship to death as a species, um, oftentimes is related to with fear or, or a lot of storytelling, but it's a very natural process of trans transformation. So, you know, we're, we're here to steward the sacred and every part of it is sacred birth, you know, life and, and passing on and, and moving into a new form. So we're stewarding the sacred through experiences and, and building micro villages and a lot of this was the impulse that I had growing up in Alaska in a very back to the earth community um, outside of Fairbanks, a lot of really brilliant, um, beautiful, idealistic people that I was surrounded by my parents and their friends. And we were all trying to live in a good way with each other and with the land. And so my journey through life has largely been working in these eco resorts and, and helping expand them and design them um, in the ultimate goal of creating one that I can live inside of and be proud of, which is Holos. So, um, you know, the, I would say the pinnacle of my like professional career thus far was likely working at Esalen and Esalen is this gem of a, of a, a place. It's named after the Esalen people, the first indigenous tribe in the Americas to go linguistically extinct. Um, and I remain friends with Esalen, um, Esalen indigenous elders still, and have a great love for that land of Big Sur. And it's perched on these cliffs above the Pacific Ocean. And I was talking about the elements earlier. Esalen is this place that has the elements in such powerful abundance, the ocean, the, um, the creek, the hot springs, the mountains, this big open air, air vista. And um, yeah, so I just found it to be a profound place of healing. And it was really an honor for the period of time that I was there to help transform the campus and um, create facilities that will last for generations and 
Um, and then I also had the honor of meeting so many really sincere teachers and leaders and practitioners and healers. And so I, when I left Esalen many years ago, I just had this very clear impulse, like I'm going to continue this movement. I'm going to continue to create these places for people to do healing work. And, and so that's what I'm doing here in Costa Rica with Holos. And ultimately Holos will also have locations elsewhere um, where we're able to do the work that we want to do, like British Columbia, um, but potentially other provinces, um, likely California, Oregon, and, and we're looking at a number of other sites, but it's, it's a long process, a long and very thoughtful process to build a micro village for healing, you know, which includes like really listening to the land, really listening to the indigenous people and the wisdom keepers of the, of the area. And, um, and then really tuning into the intentions and the people that are coming together to, to create such a place. So um, we're starting the pattern here in Costa Rica and then we'll move it forward. That sounds like a beautiful pattern. And uh, I know with more people being able to work from home and online, and you see so many people moving out of the city now, you know, since COVID, yeah, since we went into global pandemic just over a year ago now, um, it seems like a really good idea moving forward for our species, you know, to, uh, to move into eco villages, not obviously overpopulated, but uh, mm -hmm. to connect back with nature. Where do you have locations planned already for, um, for BC? Are you allowed to share those? And also, <laughs> what do you need going forward in order to make that happen? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um, I spent last summer in British Columbia really feeling the land, going out to the islands and going inland to the Kootenays and up into the Squamish region and and all over and and there was like a different song sung by each of the ecosystems and each of the regions and um, I continue to be drawn to the Kootenays and so we haven't landed on exactly where we're going to build um, and maybe it's because the right person is about to come forward with the land that we can work with them in stewarding um, but the Kootenays continue to call to me for the abundance of clean water that's there um, for the clarity of the mountains and the peaks, for the openness of people's hearts, and, and there's good growing conditions too. So a big part of our mission with Holos is to be growing our own food and being in a reciprocal relationship with the land. So yeah, that's what we're looking at in, in British Columbia. That's amazing. And if you do choose the Kootenays, um, the water here is absolutely magical. We were mm. drinking water, bought water for a little while. And I was like, what are we doing? Because <laughs> our, our water comes right from the mountain. And I switched and you wouldn't believe like this water. It's <sighs> like it's alive. And it wouldn't yeah. like when it's inside of you, you're like, oh, my goodness. Like there's no yeah. words to even describe how good it is. <laughs> I know that might sound weird to some people out there, but it's like, we are water, you know, why exactly. not put water in you that has like this magnificent, magical life force in it. And it's so mm -hmm. delicious, um, yeah. you know, and even just to bathe in it, to drink it, to like, just, it's so sacred, you know? So yeah this is definitely uh definitely a good place for water that's for sure yeah, so choose, that's, choose the <laughs> yeah that's absolutely so i have this like um 
I guess you could call it a waterfall fetish. And um, so I, I look for places that have that abundance of, of clear water and, and places where you can both like bathe and pray and recreate and drink um, really clean water. You know, that's that's the next gold is, is water and the preciousness of water. And so we're here in the Diamante Valley in, in uh, Costa Rica, where we can see a 600 foot waterfall, the tallest waterfall in Costa Rica from, from a lot of the land. And then it flows down through the property. We have a dozen beautiful waterfalls here. And part of what is drawing me to the Kootenays is um, the waterfalls that I've experienced there as well. And, and the lakes and the streams and, you know, like you said, it's just so full of life force. And, I, you know, I think that that's part of this healing arc is like, remember to listen to the water, like waterfalls, mm -hmm. each water body of water has a different offering. You know, it's like, um, you know, a lot of women really know this from being in their moon cycles, but like we are so connected to the waters of this earth. And if we continue to listen to that, then we, we continue to tap back into the very heart of life itself. So, um, you know, there's all these different healing modalities through plant medicine and yoga and all these things. But like the original healing modality is, is water, like work with mm -hmm. water for drinking and for um, cleansing. And yeah, so I've gone into a very, very deep communion with the waters down here. And um, yeah. Thank you mm -hmm. for bringing that up. Yeah, well, thank yeah, thank you for for talking about it for sure. It's so so important, absolutely important. And yeah, if you if you um, if you do decide to build up this way, I definitely know a lot of people that would be very happy about it. And never tasted better carrots. The soil is just <laughs> so full of life and uh, and so wonderful out here. So. Definitely looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what's going to happen with that going forward. And I know you have a lot of supporters and, you know, I think you're still, uh, you know, taking on investors if there's anyone out there who's looking at getting involved, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're just mm -hmm. about to open a, a funding round for the, the Holos Global management company that's going to help to build out all these sites. And, and then we have individual... You know, people are buying lots down here in Costa Rica and we'll need investors for our future sites as well. So any support is very, very much welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It would be, you know, Canada is an amazing place. We have so much, uh, so much up here that would be, uh, it would just be, be wonderful for the people up here as well. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that. I want to talk a little bit as well about, um, you know, your background in counseling and you talked about psychology um, and plant medicine. So mm -hmm. if you can touch on these a little bit and, you know, what, what you do for people in that realm, but also maybe, you know, how, if you want to talk about it, how you've personally benefited from, you know, these practices that you promote and offer. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess my relationship with psychedelics and plant medicine and um, and that world started pretty young. And I was like um, depressed in Alaska, had ADHD and anxiety and, and was medicated for depression and then discovered psychedelics. And that very quickly popped me out of um, that. And, and then like I shared earlier, kind of in the arc of my life, I took a very significant break. You know, it's not like 
this needs to become a lifestyle or something that people really rely on. It's like when you get the memo, when you get clear, then you just start living your life with clarity. That's the ideal. So I didn't work with psychedelics for about 13 years. And then um, after grad school, I got back into that world and realized that these teachers, these um, allies, as we call them, these plant medicines, they have a lot to offer and they can really illuminate things for people very quickly. So they're, they're a powerful tool. They're powerful guides. They're powerful allies. And, um, and so it's like any doctor or any practice has a whole suite of different tools and different tools are, are, are good for different things. And so, you know, each of these plant allies, these plant medicines have, have ways that they work with people that are good for specific things. And so it's really important to have some good guidance in that process and to work with people that really have a grounding in the traditions, as well as, you know, it's really helpful to have people that have a Western perspective as well. And some of the, the medical advances we have and understandings of psychology and um, the reason that I ended up going into psychology was because a friend of mine, or I had just experienced a lot of, of mental health challenges myself, you know, in my early years that I resolved to a large extent, but I'm always, you know, I'm always growing. And then I lost a number of friends to addiction or psychosis or spiritual, what we call spiritual emergencies. And I just wanted to be more present with people. I wanted to have the skills and um, and to know more about how I can effectively work with people in extreme states of consciousness. And then I didn't realize that that would be the perfect foundation for working with psychedelic medicine. Um, and so as I moved back into learning about indigenous traditions and, and different medicines like ayahuasca, San Pedro, peyote, mushrooms, I had this really nice foundation of, of Western um, trained psychology as well to look at what's emerging for people in these extreme states. So, yeah, it's been a real, real joy to, to dive into the psyche and, and to be able to serve in that way and help people navigate it. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. Uh, it definitely is a sacred space to, uh, to dive into that's for sure. And, I like how you mentioned psychedelics as tools. So it's not something, you know, that has to be done every day or even every month or every year. You know, it's like you get the message and and you get the clarity and then you take that into your life. Um, you know, it's a tool like, you know, yoga. You could use psychedelics. You could use meditation. You could use chanting. You know, there's there's a lot of things um, that you can do and psychedelics is, is one of them. One of the really good ones for helping to dive deep into the psyche that's for sure right yeah. and i know that um with the recent research that's been done they're they're actually doing a lot of things that these medications and these therapies that have been used for the last 20 30 40 50 years like can't uh can't do for people so that's something really good to see with the research is that um you know scientifically they are proving to show a success rate for a lot of the things that we're seeing like depression anxiety and ptsd and all of that so yeah it's really good to to hear and i heard you mention spiritual emergencies and i think that's something um that needs to definitely be talked about more because you know in our society 
when a spiritual emergency happens, it usually ends up with a prescription, right? And which ends up making it worse, where in these cultures that have been around since existence, it's like, no, you go into a healing circle or you work with one of the shamans or the medicine men to help understand your gift. Um, so that's something definitely I think should be, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that or, um, or have any comments to say about that, but, uh, definitely something that needs to be understood a little bit more, I think in the West, that's for sure. Yeah. We're at a really fascinating point in time where these shamanic traditions and people that understand energy medicine, um, are in a dialogue, whether formally or informally with a very Western approach, a very like reductionist approach, which looks at molecules and looks at, um, yeah, physiology. And, and so, uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time where that dialogue is happening and where we can learn, um, from each other. These different traditions can learn from each other. And so one of the things that I studied a lot in, in grad school or was very interested in was the, the phenomena of neuroplasticity, like the capacity of the brain to change itself. And, and there's a lot of studies that are showing that these particular molecules, these um, organic compounds that are coming from these psychedelic plants that have been used for healing and illumination for millennia, that they, they produce the effects of neuroplasticity and they, they actually rewire our brain and our physiology. And so uh, it's just a really exciting time where we can, um, where we can work with these these plants, and we can learn a lot. And so, you know, things like the preservation of biodiversity and the preservations of of culture, it's no longer a fad thing. It's actually like for the good of future generations. Like if we keep the genetics alive that are on the earth now, and if we really learn from the cultures that are that are currently dying out. Um, there's a lot of wisdom there that can benefit everyone. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting time. Mm -hmm. It is 100%. And you find that through these cultures that a lot of them really are teaching the same thing. I remember going to a sweat and um, I was asked to um, also teach some yoga for the, um, for the women that were at the sweat as well. And a lot of what I was teaching was a lot of what they were teaching um, as well. And I was like, these are so connected, um, you know, different okay. sides of the world, but so connected, you know, and it just shows how connected we are um, yeah. in all of that. So, yeah, definitely taking that wisdom and, and using it and, and connecting back with the mother and all of that. So what ultimately made you decide you wanted to devote your life <laughs> i don't know if making it you know i like I, I sometimes don't like use the word like to use the word career but you know um because it's it's a passion it's a devotion it's a service right so what made you ultimately decide to devote yourself to helping people i guess there's amazing people that have showed up for me and helped me along my healing path, whether it was friends that, you know, showed me how to do uh, deep breath work or people, you know, my stepfather who taught me yoga or my father who taught me to have an open heart. And, you know, just at some point you've received enough from the world where you get inspired to give. 
And so, you know, it's just like a really natural process. I think, you know, it's like once, once you've received enough wisdom, once you've received enough healing, um, then you, you just become an overflowing cup and it's like, that's the natural thing to do. So, you know, all that being said, sometimes, you know, it's a lot. It's like, once you become that overflowing cup and once you, um, feel really resourced and, then there's a lot of, there's a lot of need, you know, there's a lot of people that are needing to find the source within themselves. And so they naturally come to those that, that are resourced and that, that word resource is, is interesting. You know, it's like coming back to source, returning to source. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's why, why I'm engaged in these things because it's just the natural extension of, of the practice. Mm -hmm. I love it. And as an overflowing cup, <laughs> you said that <laughs> analogy, does that cup need to sometimes take time to, um, you know, continually make sure that it's full? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I like, guess what I'm trying to yeah. say is like, you know, yeah. What, so what do you do to keep your cup full? Well, yeah, it's I mean, it's uh, a funny moment to be asked that question. I was just up in this cave um, sleeping with a group that was in one of our retreats at uh, on top of a 600 foot waterfall in a cave behind the waterfall, drinking medicine and having this really profound evening. And I, I had a very clear prayer for partnership. And I was like, okay, what, what's in the way? And, and that was the clearest message that came through. It was like, I mean, there was a lot of messages and, and things that I saw, but it was really clear that my self care is needs to be foremost, you know, needs to be at the forefront of my life. And so, you know, yoga works really well for me. Um, meditation works really well for me. But what, what the message was, was basically just space. Like I engage with people all day, every day. And there's times where I just need to go into my own cave and it doesn't have to be long, but like go commune with the waterfalls, go, you know, just be in my own presence with nature um, that's, that gives me the energetic reset of like, oh, here's my center. And then I can come back to the world from that place. You know, it's, it's very easy, um, to get caught up in everything that is, is swirling around and it's important to just find center again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely, uh, definitely important there. And, um, especially as people that are holding space and, you know, for all the healers out there and energy workers, you know, it's like, it's easy to get wrapped up in everything that's going on. And when you get to a level where so many people need your help, um, and are, and are wanting your help, you know, it's even more important then. And I can say from experience and lesson that, you know, I was definitely in that experience where I didn't take that time and, you know, dis-ease crept in and it's a lot easier to take the time when you need it than have to try to heal, um, things that end up going out of balance because of that. So yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. You always have to put yourself, uh, you know, fill your cup so that you have it runneth over. So yeah. go into go into your own cave, right? And don't feel yeah. bad about it, for sure. Yeah, and um, ideally that cave is behind a waterfall, and then it's just that much yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a better place, right? Um, so the world has obviously been changing in this past year and considering we've had enormous energetic economical reconfiguration um 
there's a lot of people trying to deal with the changes. Are there any practices that you can re recommend that people can do to help adjust to what's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to me is human beings um, need to reacquaint themselves with just the sensuous reality of being human. So we get caught up in our head, we get caught up in our anxieties, our stories, our identities, and then we forget to just be with our body. And the body is is such an incredible miracle. You know, it's like this incredible instrument, this incredible vehicle that we get to go through the world in. And it has a lot of wisdom and a lot of things to teach us. And so what I find is our bodies will become, the more we tune to our body, the more that we become aware when we're out of balance. So you know, I think that's like, it's super simple. Just pay attention to your body and, and, and be kind to it and good to it. And like, let it be a teacher of what works for you and, and what doesn't because a lot of times you'll feel like oh if something is off you'll feel the tension or the stress in your body and that's the first sign like the more attuned you become then the less we build up these layers of trauma and contraction in ourselves so and that's really helpful there's just like basic things you know there's been times where i've been i've had real challenging moments and it's like just go get a massage I go get the massage and then things shift really significantly. And it's like that, that idea of self care, you know, it's like what works for one person is different than what works for another person. There was times in my life where it was like, especially at Esalen, where it was like bathing, like soaking in a hot spring, soaking in a tub every day. That was like self care. That was a critical thing to do. There were years in my life, like six years where two and a half hours of meditation a day every morning. And it was solid. And that was my form of self-care. And so, you know, it kind of changes with the different seasons of life. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think the more people tune into themselves, the more they'll notice when, when they're off balance. And it's important to, uh, it's important to definitely tune into yourself and, and know that. And um, especially for women, you know, I think you you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but, you know, as a as a woman, we're supposed to cycle with the moon. And if you don't, then, you know, you know, something's off balance there. Right. And I know a lot of women who don't even who aren't even aware of that, which is which is um, surprising because it's something that we we should know as women. Right. And we should uh, be able to to follow. Um, and even just knowing, you know, if you eat a certain food, you know, that doesn't sit right with you, just you, listen to that, listen to those signals in, in your system and in your body. Right. And there's ways to get it rebalanced and just as easy if we go back to, you know, what you said about Stan Groff is breath work, right. Uh, working yeah. with the prana in the system, the vital life force, right. Working with that to bring ourselves back into balance. So, so many important things there and it's, um, I think people, now that we've gone through uh, this pandemic, people are more open to listening to these types of things. Um, whereas before it was simply just, you know, you take a pharmaceutical or you take a medication in order to get yourself back into balance, which we know energetically that uh, definitely affects the balance of the system. Um, so do you have a go-to mantra or meditation or prayer, or I call this like an emergency, rescue meditation uh, or mantra 
Do you have a, an emergency <laughs> thing that works to relieve stress and bring a sense of calm back to your being? I love that. Well, the meditation I used to practice that originates in India, um, it has it has five words that you use as the internal mantra. And so I often use that. But, you know, the, the biggest thing that I found as far as creating a, a state shift or a shift in my being when things are feeling off is like gratitude. As soon as like I start to imagine a way of looking at something with gratitude, it changes it immediately. So that's, I think, I think my go-to is like, oh, where did I lose track of gratitude and how can I be grateful for whatever this is? Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of gratitude rocks up here. If you ever decide to come uh, up to this area again, I'm sure you'll find a whole bunch on the, on the lake, in the lake. They have some really good, nice, smooth ones here. Um, I was also going to ask, and I think you touched on this a little bit and you said that it changed over time, but, um, right now, are you okay sharing your personal practice? Do you have oh, a, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of times I, I like have my personal practice as part of a retreat. Like we just had two retreats. And so, um, you know, there's often meditation. I often lead breath, breath work and then bring in yoga teachers. So those are absolutely foundational. But when, when you ask the question, you know, the real truth of what my personal practice is, is it's going and jumping off of waterfalls. So um, yeah, that's, that's how I know if my life's in balance or not, if I'm on too many calls and I, don't get to the waterfalls, but this morning I went swimming, jumped off some waterfalls, and it was a good day. That is awesome. And and what I really want to point out too is that practice can be anything, you know, anything really that just brings you <laughs> back to source, right? Yeah. Whether it be art or jumping off waterfalls or singing or going and standing in the snow, whatever, whatever it might be, you know, as long as that connects you back to home, right? Yeah. Um, so here we go with the dialing in question. I am wondering, how do you dial in? What does dialing in mean to you? And what is it that you're dialing into? Yeah. So I guess, you know, the, the word dial, um, first it makes me think of like a telephone but then secondly it's like dialing and tuning into the like a radio frequency and then i and then i start to imagine oh my gosh we live in this in this resonant reality like everything is vibration and so what is my uh radio tuned to what is my attention tuned to and attention is the most important you know the most mm -hmm. important thing we have it's it's worth more than money or gold or anything it's like our attention is is the goal it's the mana of our life and so i when i dial in like when i get dialed in it means that i'm operating from source it means that i'm feeling connected to the center of the universe that still point that you know zero point is what some people call it from which everything else manifested and so for me dialing in is like can i get through all the clutter and listen to that radio signal that is just the clear light, the clear love at the center of my being. 
Wow, that is absolutely beautiful. And um, I definitely have to say that I got shivers when you said that when I got the name of the podcast from a meditation that I was doing. That's, you know, that was exactly the vision, you know, tuning into the frequency, seeing the dial and just, you know, moving it to that point where it's exact, like when you can hear the message loud and clear without any static, right? And um, it is definitely cool to hear you say that. So I've had so much fun talking uh, with you on this podcast. And I know I could definitely ask you questions for hours and hours. But um, I'm wondering if you have any final words to leave our listeners with. And then I'll also maybe get some information on how our listeners can get in touch with you as well. Sure. Um final words i mean what comes to mind is just you know remembering that we're already whole we've we've made it this far we've made it through billions of years of creation and evolution and we ended up in these exquisite exquisite bodies these exquisite instruments that are part of the symphony of life and and so just being easy you know let's be easy on ourselves and just remember that we're already whole we're already home this is this is our planet and we get to do you know with it what we want and so let's create beauty and let's create more love and let's create more harmony that's that's what comes to mind right now for me beautiful and how how can people get in touch with you um i guess i'm starting to figure out how to use instagram so you could find me there ian michael a bear um a bear is spelled h-e-b-e-r-t i also have a website ian michael um, which I haven't updated in a long time, but it's probably still relevant. And then for the work we're doing with Holos, our website is holos.global. And would love to have any of your listeners join us on a retreat, or if there's any curiosity about what we're building in the world, or if you have resources and things that you want to offer to this collective of what we're building, we're very open and, and available and welcome you. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll definitely post those in the in the uh, podcast notes so people can click through and get a hold of you. And I know there will definitely be a lot of people um, out there who are as excited about what you're doing and what you're building with these retreat healing community centers because you know it's the way that we need to go moving forward and connecting back with the earth and and um, you know living as one living in community so thank you so much for um for sharing your wisdom with you it's been a pleasure speaking with you and um hopefully we can do a touch in you know in a little you know six months or a year and just see how things have developed and oh my gosh i would love that yeah maybe you'll maybe we can interview you right from the from the center in canada it's already started we'll see (laughs) perfect nice yeah love it Well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, definitely uh, take care of yourself like you normally do. And we'll talk to you again soon. Sweet. Thank you so much. So that was our episode on Dialed In with our very special guest, Ian Michael A. Bear. And we had a wonderful chat today, starting out getting to know Ian Michael by learning about his awakening experiences, meditation experiences, life experiences, and his journey inward. 
He then told us about his experience with his education in psychology and counseling, as well as his experience in working at Eslin Institute in Big Sur. We then got into talking about the use of plant medicines in regards to therapy and their importance. Ian Michael tells us about his healing work in Costa Rica, a healing village, a community of people who are committed to helping and regenerating the earth. We talk about the importance of coming together as a community on this planet and the consequential extinction that might happen and problems that we are all facing if we do not come together. He talks about what is happening right now and that it's an opportunity for us to take time to look at the way we are living. Are we in harmony with the cycles of nature, with the planet, with ourselves? We then go on to talk about healing and what healing means to him. We then learn about Holos and how it was inspired by Stan Groff's work. He talks about how Holos is a pattern of how we can live, that each of us is already home. At Holos, they are here to steward the sacred. He also reminisces about his time at Ezelin and the work that he has done there and the love that he has for the land of Big Sur. He talks about how Ezelin has the elements in such abundance and he found it to be a profound place of healing and the honor that it was to help transform the campus and meet and work with the elders, teachers, leaders, and practitioners there. When he left Eslin, he made a commitment to continue the healing work he was doing and thus created Holos in Costa Rica. He talks about the long process that is required in building an eco-village and that it really requires listening to the land and the keepers of the land. We then talk about the importance of water and its sacredness, as well as healing. We then get into plant medicine, psychedelics, and that world. Ian Michael shares his story of healing with us and the impact that psychedelics and plant medicine have had on his life. These teachers, allies, tools have a lot to offer. Each of these plant medicines have ways that they work with these people to help with different things. It's really important to work with people who have a grounding in the traditions as well as those in Western medicine in regards to the science, he says. We then get into talking about neuroplasticity and how these plants can assist in rewiring our brains in a good way. Ian Michael then talks about the importance of self-care, communing with nature, and being in your own presence in nature. It's very easy to get caught up in everything that is swirling around us, and it's important to find your center again. He talks about how self-care also changes with different seasons of life. We then find out what Ian Michael's go-to thing to do to shift his state of being is. He talks about the importance of gratitude. We then find out what dialing in means to Ian Michael. He ends with reminding us that we are already whole. He reminds us to be easy on ourselves. We are already whole. We are already home. Thank you for joining us on the Dialed In Podcast. This is your host, Shannon Lynn. Namaste.